This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. There has been concern for some time now that cryptocurrency had the possibility of being a financial entity that had an element of fraud attached to it. But with the rise in value we have seen in recent months, it seems like various types of cryptocurrency were starting to gain a higher level of legitimacy. But a fresh look at the market by the Wall Street Journal shows that there is a level of fraud that many people should be very watchful of if you believe that this is a good investment. Shane Shiflett and Coulter Jones are the reporters for the Wall Street Journal that did the investment investigation. They focus on the area of data and data analysis in their uh, time at the Wall Street Journal, and it's good to have both of them with us. Shane, Coulter, thank you for your time today. Thank Thanks you. for having us, Dan. Thank you. Uh, and, and I guess let's take a deeper dive, Shane, I'll start with you, about these companies and, and what they are, because for the most part, when people think about cryptocurrency, they, they think about Bitcoin initially, but this is such a, a, a much bigger market right now than probably a lot of people really think about. Right. These are companies that are raising money to start businesses and that have Bitcoin-like tokens associated with them. So they could be starting everything from, you can think of like an Uber or transportation service where you can use tokens to sort of you know, as a ticket uh, for entry into their system, essentially, um, to uh, to to online payment systems where you can transfer money. Um, there's even chat applications that are um, have raised money to uh, to to build those applications uh, using some of these uh, funding mechanisms. So, Coulter, take us through the uh, through what you were looking for and what you found out. Yeah, what we did was we took. Um for uh, 1,450 coins, we took their white papers, which is essentially sort of the a financial so document like, uh, statement indicating how they're going to sort of go about their project. And we took those papers and we looked for sort, sort of duplication of phrases between where they literally copied key phrases or passages from, from one from another project. And then we looked for things like team members who were faked. We found cases where literally stock photography was used to create an entirely false identity and you know all these things were, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah i mean we, we found um and we found where real people were attached to projects who had no idea they were like i talked to um you know someone based in the ukraine who said i i'm not connected to that project i talked to a woman in uh, san francisco who runs a media company who had never heard of the the website she was listed on where they just scraped her information from LinkedIn. And I think one thing that's important is as we looked at this, um, we've heard from some people who said, well, you know, I would have expected it to be higher. We had a really low threshold um, for people to pass. You, you, All you had to do was not copy someone or, or have a real person connected to it, uh, essentially, or, or not guarantee unreasonable returns. And uh, Shane and I did a lot of the analysis on that. I don't know if Shane wants to add to sort of some of the key red flags we look yeah, at. Yeah, Shane, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Coulter summed it up really well. I mean, the language, you know, kind of goes through, there's a gamut of the language. There's a lot of, um, you know, stuff like legalese that was very commonly copied that we sort of screened out. So this is really looking at sort of the most core, uh, you know, important statements that a company can make about itself. So, uh, you know, we, we were trying to avoid, uh, you know, pulling in pulling in companies or projects that, you know, were, were, you know, practicing a very common behavior and look at sort 
sort of the more unique ones in the set. Were you able to determine out of the out of the fourteen hundred and fifty or so that that you looked at, where not only was there duplication of, of of phraseology in terms of the white papers they were bringing forth, and obviously you mentioned about the pictures, but were we talking about uh, you know one company that was maybe putting three or four different potential cryptocurrency offers out and basically repeating the same type of material for each one of these different offers, but maybe trying to hit a different sector, a different group of people. Yeah, so there's two projects that come in mind that we they, we wrote about a little bit in the article. One was called LoopX, and they claim to have raised 4.5 million before disappearing in um, early January or late December. And um, they had actually taken, uh, I have their white paper on my desk here, and they have uh, language repeated from various uh, projects. They yeah. pulled in uh, maybe seven different projects, white paper. I can't remember the exact number right off the top of my head. They also didn't list their team members, and they also promised, uh, you know, sort of uh, enormous reward for uh, any investors. And, uh, you know, currently there's no trace of who the founders of this project were. Uh, we haven't been able to track them down. So um, there's definitely a few. They're not very frequent, but there were about five or six different uh, projects in there that repeated multiple flags and sort of had various issues that were um, uh, highly suspicious of, of the kind of activity and, and turned out to be um, you know, fraudulent uh, as as uh, time went on. You both talk about, or I should say you talk about in the article, about uh, now the fact that the SEC is looking into these uh, organizations and the potential fraud. Where do they stand on on their types of investigations? What in the process are they, you know, bringing it to the criminal point, or are they still in the investigative point at this uh, at this juncture? They're they're still in the investigative point for a lot of these. They they have. Um moved to um get a, a an order to freeze assets on a on a several companies you know what's interesting is the day before our article published the SEC launched a uh, a website touting a fake coin offering that was supposed to be an example of sort of the the types of things to look out for and mm -hmm. many of the things they mentioned were exactly what we're talking about which is like you know promises of of high returns or uh, you know, team members that are clearly made up. And so it was, you know, the day beforehand, sort of the things that they're saying look out for, we were able to find tons of examples of that Well, in, and that, in our sam sample set. And, and, yeah. that, and that promise of high returns is something that you're not allowed to do. Uh, you know, that's against SEC rules. So I guess the question becomes, Shane, is the SEC potentially going to start uh, – well, what level of regulation are these companies under to begin with? And is the SEC looking that, that you know, this should come under their purview? Well, the SEC views a lot of these companies as uh, essentially unregistered securities because of the way they're conducting their token sales. There are right. differences in the way you can do that. So uh, by and large, um, uh, they do consider most of these under their purview. And uh, they're looking, you know, and they have taken action against some. PlexCorps was mentioned in the article, and they promised uh, something like uh, more than a 1,000% profit in less than a month. Uh, and the SEC went ahead and froze their assets. But uh, these are very limited cases. We're seeing class action lawsuits come up yeah. um, where uh, investors are essentially taking action because the, uh, the, the SEC has not yet. So uh, there's still, um, there's still a, a pretty wide variance between the uh, SEC's 
uh, regulatory presence and and what uh, what investors can expect in as far as safeguards go from from uh, basically any regulator around the world. But Shana, I would think that this is kind of like anything that that has a quick rise, and obviously, you know, yeah. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is kind of the flavor of the day for for a lot of people. But you know that that other elements out there, obviously not as scrupulous as as some companies, see this as an opportunity to make a quick uh, a quick buck off of the mindset of people who believe that cryptocurrency is a great investment right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. You see the rise in, you know, uh, the rise in the price of Bitcoin. Uh, you can see it directly correlate with the number of red flags, uh, you know, that we found in our data set. Uh, this was happening towards the end of 2017 and beginning of 2018 when a lot of these were popping up. That's that's not true in every case, but it is broadly true. And uh, that co- correlated directly with the, you know, nearly $20,000 price point of uh, Bitcoin there at the end of 2017. And I think the other thing on that, is as Bitcoin has risen, you see a lot of people who feel like they, they have FOMO or they feel like they missed out on this. And so they don't think they can afford to buy Bitcoin, but they see all these new opportunities that they think are very similar cryptocurrencies, but are, you know, within their investment, you know, range that they can afford. So they're jumping in, I think, for a lot of investors without doing their due diligence and yeah. thinking it's a similar sort of uh, vehicle or, you know, it's, it's exactly the same. How quickly are we seeing these types of offerings coming up onto, you know, into possible investment right now? How quickly are they actually coming onto board right now? Uh, they're fl- they're flooding the scene at the moment. I mean, there's new coins every day that are listed on some of the major sites that track it, and uh, the amounts that are claimed to be raised uh, continue to to set new records every month. So um, it's 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 a very frequent, very very rapid pace right now. We are joined by Shane Shiflett of and Culture Jones of the Wall Street Journal. We're talking about their reporting, uh, looking at uh, fraud within the cryptocurrency sector. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four for 942-7866 or if you'd like send us a comment via twitter either at bizradio111 or my twitter account which is at danloney21 one that you mentioned in the article was was premium trade can you take us into what they were exactly doing um like like many of the sort of uh, uh, red flag ICOs that we look at, uh, they were also offering sort of a, pl- a payment platform. Um, they didn't have a lot of details about how they would execute this, or um, they, and their team members listed on their sites all had these kind of uh, uh, very um, uh, uh, big big biographies, I guess. And as we started to look into them, we started running their images through Google search results, trying to background who who was building this platform. And uh, we were finding uh, their team members all over the Internet. Uh, one of their team members appeared on a Qatari construction site, um, you know, hawking <laughs> land restoration. Um, another appeared as a Dr. John Wat- Watson, Watson um, was the spelling. And uh, uh, he was, he was, uh, had taken a, he was a doctor who was promoting an online cardiology course. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. We, had, we had a, we had their CEO, uh, <laughs> whose name was Iden Cohen, uh, he was appearing on um, a job recruiter, a job post, bo- job board, basically, uh, saying that he hadn't had a job in months until he went to this site, and then suddenly, you know, he found work in the construction industry. So, um, you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of people used uh, that were clearly from stock imagery. We were able to track down some of these uh, individuals who were featured in the photographs, and uh, Iden Cohen, who I mentioned, he was actually um, 
uh, a Spanish citizen, and the photo was taken four four years ago by his friend, you know, in in their house, basically. So this is like the old days of when when you used to get the picture of the stock, you know, the stock photo of the picture in, in a new wallet that you would get. I mean, you're basically taking that and and slapping it on a website now. So I mean, this is I, I mean, this is not in in many cases culture. This is not expansive in terms of what these companies are having to do to be able to commit this fraud. It, it's pretty basic at times. It is really basic. And, you know, you have various levels where this can happen. If you go to freelancer websites, you'll see people for $100 offering to, you know, um, write your white paper, which is supposed to spell out how your project works. For a little bit more, you can get what's called a clone of a project where they literally sort of like soup to nuts create the whole thing for you. And, you know, if you're hiring outsiders to do it for that little bit of money, you can imagine how sort of easy and quickly that can go online. And, you know, um, Shane mentioned a couple. There's, you know, we also had Denaro, which is a, a coin yeah. we mentioned. And um, it looks like we that the, the exact replica of that was set up by the same people. We weren't 100% able to confirm it, but very duplicative language set up for Pluto coin, which is still online right now trying to raise money. And the people on that, you know, you, you just sort of create a bio. We, they pulled images from, from LinkedIn, um, pulled a, a woman from, who works for Fitch in Madrid. They pulled her image and then started creating a biography and, and wrote things that sounded amazing. This didn't make the story, but it was like, you know, that she worked at the London Law Agency or, you know, went to the prestigious London Business School. Yeah. And, you know, the London Law Agency um, actually... Uh, doesn't exist and yeah. <laughs> as a thing, and you know there was no record of her at the London Business School, and sort of these things. Uh, another individual was listed as going to Kentucky State University, yeah. um, but then uh, if you went to his LinkedIn, they had him going to the University of Kentucky. So it's like sort of really simple, just pulling details out of you know just whole cloth out, out, of, the air. out of thin air, really. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, and, and the title of your article really kind of hits it the, the nail right on the head. It's buyer beware. And, and I guess, Shane, the, the question is for a lot of people, uh, you know, is, is the investigation, is the, you know, the deep dive into this by the potential investor really there? And, and I'm guessing the ratio is probably fairly low. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a very risky market for investors. I don't I don't know that um, you know, we talked to to several investors who had um, you know, put money into some of these coins and and uh they usually get recommendations from their friends or they get um, you know, they read a, a promotional article on one of the common, you know, coin news sites. Uh, and and they decide to invest that way, and they're not really, uh, you know, from what Coulter and I are seeing, not really doing a whole lot of due diligence to check it the way we are. Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of risk out there. Should I, Coulter? Sorry, what's that? I, I was going to say, I mean, there's just not a lot of investigation by the people that, that are potential investors here to do the really the deep dive that seemingly they need to do with all these different offerings and obviously the, the level of fraud that's in there. Right, and, you know, I think... I think there's some belief since a lot, we talked about the the meteoric rise of Bitcoin at the end of last year. I think there's a lot of people who maybe don't even care and, and they're investing in dozens of projects and hoping some of them come through. But like the the level of investigation, we talked to people afterwards on this. It's like a quick Google search on some of these, and you immediately find you know red flags or questions about the legitimacy of it. Right. And and. To be clear, also, we're not even talking about the viability of any of the projects. We're talking about just the 
the the bare bones is, is this thing even real in some sense right and, yeah. and and that and that brings in something i wanted to bring up anyway is that investors understand that that to a degree what they invest in is a little bit speculative. I mean, they there there's really no investment out there that's 100% locked in that it, it's going to come back uh, with a 100% profit. So they expect that to a degree, and and I think maybe does that work against them a little bit having that nature that allows some of these uh, some of these uh, companies to to bring this level of fraud forward. Shane, well, I think definitely the you know as Coulter was kind of saying you know some people have been able to see you know a thousand percent return on their project like profits quite or on their investment quite literally you know right. based on the way that the, the the prices have spiked around Bitcoin and various other currencies here so I think that definitely distorts it and and maybe the risk is you know uh, the payoff is worse worth that level of risk right and so um yeah i think there's definitely a sense that uh you know people are people are kind of going for it without uh thinking it through or totally evaluating projects it almost doesn't even you know matter in some sense what the project is you know because of the way these coin offerings are done and the fact that they can very easily uh you know, turn a profit in some cases, in some limited cases, uh, before a product is even launched or even in the works. So, from what I what I read in your article, culture, it's it's about uh, the the numbers that you guys red flagged. It's about one in five uh, of the offerings that actually have come out in the last uh, several months. Correct? Yeah, that, that's right. For the ones that we looked at, um, that you know, and some of those date as early as 2014, but most of them were. Um, last year were most of these projects. And the SEC has issued warnings to investors as well, correct? They have issued warnings to investors, and they have, um, you know, as I said, froze assets and moved against some projects that are clearly fraudulent. And, you know, the SEC, as we've mentioned, largely views many of these, if not all of these projects, as essentially unregistered securities, which would be a violation, um, you know. But we, we've heard from sources and others at the SEC still looking at this. And, uh, you know, we should expect more, I think. We're talking with Shane Shiflett and Coulter Jones of the Wall Street Journal. We're talking about their reporting, looking at the cryptocurrency uh, industry right now and seemingly uh, a, a number of uh, fraudulent offerings that are out there. Uh, and again, their article is titled Buyer Beware. Hundreds of Bitcoin wannabes show hallmarks of fraud. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Shane, you mentioned one or two of these that obviously have closed up in, in, the, uh, in the time since you've been doing this, uh, doing this reporting. When these entities are closing up, the investments are, are gone at that point? Essentially, yes. Uh, it depends how every every project uh, conducts its coin sale or its public offering a little bit differently. Um, so there's a lot of different ways this money can can essentially disappear. Uh, but yeah, effectively, uh, essentially, what happens in a lot of cases that we've seen as we've been watching it since we started uh, this story in February uh, were projects that uh, they promote it aggressively on message boards, on Twitter, online. Um, they they get their investment, and then right around the time that they said the coin sale was going to end or this this offering was going to end, uh, their websites tend to go offline. Um, their promotional activities uh, cease entirely, and uh, 
the people who were sort of responsible for promoting this in the first place can no longer be contacted or tracked down. Um, now that money, depending on how it was deposited, could have gone, you know, could have could have uh, been uh, taken, you know, through through sort of public transaction records any which way out to exchanges that typically convert sort of cryptocurrency to um, U.S. dollar or whatever the, the currency might be that is more traditional and can kind of be used in, in the real world, I guess. Are you able to determine in terms of some of these these fraudulent uh, uh, offerings coming forward, are you able to determine where the the money for these investments was coming in was it coming in from you know mom and pop investor or was it coming in in some cases from some VCs that were that were thinking that they were investing in a in a good offer well i think there's there's kind of two things going on i think for a lot of these the the uh, sort of red flags that we're seeing. These are sort of more, they're not the the ones we reported on anyway in the story are sort of uh, the more middle tier sort of ICOs that they're not raising astronomical amounts of money, but still millions of dollars, or at least they claim to be. And I think a lot of those are mom and pop investors, people who are speculators, people who are looking to kind of make that, that profit off, off, you know, the coin uh, once it gets onto an exchange and is tradable. Um, I think there are other projects out there that have had VC money, but it's it's much more uh, rare, and it's sort of done in a different way, um, maybe a more traditional way with a bank involved, uh, okay. which makes it much harder for, uh, I guess, that ICO to sort of disappear. There was one notable case that happened, though, while we were in the process of reporting it called um, SaveDroid. It was a German company, and they did sort of this combination that I'm talking about where they had some private VC money uh, that was done through a bank, and then they also had their public sale. And when their public sale was over, um, they posted a sort of South Park meme on their website and said it's gone. Um, There were no communications from the company, and uh, the uh, founder uh, posted a picture of himself on the beach, essentially, and at the airport. Um, you know, suggesting that he had run away. And then the next day, or maybe it was two days later, it was just a short short time afterwards this happened and there was a bit of an outcry. Uh, he came back, uh, the site went back online, and he came out with a video sort of explaining this was to bring awareness of how easy uh, it is to run away with money, which is not quite so true in his case because he did have investors. He had, you know, uh, this was a, a, you know, a full operation based in Germany um, that couldn't have just uh, run off with, uh, with, you know, millions of dollars without some consequences from the authorities there in the banking industry. But there is that element, uh, culture of, of, you know, making the, and your article obviously is doing that in part, is making the public aware that this possibility exists when you when you get in, involved in these types of investments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the ideal behind blockchain or any of these currencies is that there's a higher level of trust because the records are, in theory, on the blockchain, we can all view those transactions, right. and and in theory, what this is leading is to a higher level of trust. But what we're seeing is sort of with these sort of more um, fraudulent actors is they're they're sort of feeding off of that perceived trust without actually providing any of the you know evidence of what they're doing. And you know, if you're an investor, you, what you really need to do is your due diligence or figure that out whether you believe in the project and you know I guess some key facts of whether or not the white paper makes sense you know as you go through and you read these documents what was fascinating to read is some of the duplicated sentences were things like history of how the idea came together like well I was thinking about this with my friend so and so and we decided this is the best way to fix this problem and it's like that's repeated over multiple papers you know like everyone so um, (laughs) you know what you're really seeing is sort of Again, people who aren't maybe as aware of 
of the space here sort of investing in things they aren't don't know what's going on yeah guys great to have you with us today excellent reporting and i'm sure this is something you're going to be staying on top of in the weeks and months to come thank you shane thank you culture all the best thank Thank you so much dan for more insight from knowledge at wharton please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu Thank you.